Um, I, I have two ideas. One is to talk, for me to talk about Buddha Day, because it's coming up in a little bit over a month. Or the other is uh, open discussion or questions and answers or comments and reactions. So each, your, your choice is made by questions you ask. <laughs> Anybody have a question or a thought or uh, an opinion? Mm-hmm. It's May, well, it is in May. It is, what is the official uh, Sri Lankan? The, the full, it's the full moon day in May. Yeah, it's, but it, every, in even different Buddhist countries have a different full moon day. So that, so the Thai full moon is a different day than Sri Lankan full moon and Burmese full moon is different. So, that's the official day. It's the first, the full moon in the month of May. And, uh, we, what we do here is we'll celebrate it. We usually celebrate it around middle of May, May the 18th. And then other temples that we, that we know in the area, even from other traditions, they'll, they'll have their day set differently. And then we all visit each other's temples. And I think that's, uh, it's a, it's a week-long holiday in Sri Lanka, right? It's a really long holiday. So for us, we do one day and uh, try to squeeze it all into one day. But it's a, it's a different... It's like Christmas and spring break, I think, kind of rolled in in Sri Lanka. <laughs> and you know what Buddha Day is, what it celebrates? Does everybody know? So Buddha Day... Or Wisak or Wisaka is is a term for what we we will call Buddha Day or Wisak, and it it is the holiday. It's a special day. It's it's what kind of like we'd call a holy day in the West, but it's not a holy day because it's a Buddhist thing. But it's it celebrates and honors the birth of the Buddha. And his enlightenment when he was 36, and also his what we call Parinibbana, which is his final enlightenment that happened when he died at 80. 80? 85? 80. Um, so we celebrate all three. And uh, in, in Asian countries and other Buddhist countries, they all, all the different countries have, uh, different celebrations, you know, different customs. And so if you've seen the paper lanterns we have here, it's, uh, and we have the big, uh, usually a big paper, uh, yeah, a, mo- a mobile, yeah, a big thing hanging from the ceiling. And it's sometimes lit up and has streamers. When you, when you're in Sri Lanka, when they have, uh, things during the holidays, they make these incredible paper lanterns and paper uh, things they hang that are just amazing, just really intricate. But then after the holiday, they just let them hang there and disintegrate with the weather or the rain. So it, it's a mark of impermanence. And uh, and here, people want to want to take it home and you know. But <laughs> I think when we first started doing Buddha days, it, the monks were very surprised. 
people were taking the things out of the garbage cans because the, there were these beautiful things that people wanted to take home and hang up in their in their house somewhere. And so then then they got wise to the Westerners, the American ha- weird habits. They then they started uh, making some and having some extras to sell to people who wanted to take them home. So, but they would take down that big, huge, uh, multi-layered hanging sculpture, and since they couldn't hang it outside here, they just would it. Well, we throw it away. And everybody here was like, no, you can't throw that stuff away. <laughs> but there you'll see things hanging outside of people's homes or outside of buildings, you know, just like in all different uh, stages of dissolving if it's been raining or falling apart. And so it continues to be, for them, a mark of impermanence, which I think is pretty wonderful. They don't stay attached to it. And uh, like our gazebo that we have in the winter for the chanting, that comes down the next day. And it would be the same way. You don't save those things, do you? We want to save them. Westerners want to save them, decorate with them. So we want things to stay permanent. We don't let them, we don't like them to be temporary. But um, that's, so we have the paper lanterns that we carry around in the parade at the end of the inside uh, program. And during the program, we have all of the paper uh, flowers hanging in the, the decorations. But that's because it's, we've kind of, our holiday is similar to what it would be in Sri Lanka. But we invite, uh, for our celebration, and it's, and in Buddhist countries, it's a day when, uh, you have lots of, there's food, or it's a week, but the temples will have food for people, and they, they like everybody in the community to come and just have food and hospitality, and they, they, they don't charge anything for it. They just want people to come and eat. And, uh, and and it's a real happy celebration for all of those things. But at the temples, people might listen to talks, and they kind of spend the day, the full moon day, they usually are at the temples anyway. But uh, that celebration is, a, is a, the, the major Buddhist celebration in most Buddhist countries. So we have an we have a program inside, and we have uh, some chanting, and we have the Vietnamese uh, temples who come. One of them has dragon dancers, and they have the martial arts that really are or one with the big fans. I don't know what that's called, but you know those giant fans just snap, and the they uh, they have young people doing that, and they have. Uh, uh, what is the dance called? Like the the flower dancing dances, where the young women come in and do these intricate choreographed uh, numbers, but they end up with they all have little baskets of flowers, fresh flowers, and they line the the whole area is lined with those baskets of flowers, and uh, they have we have the dragons come in and do a do a a routine and they, the dragons go on the parade too and so the drag their drag they usually have two or three dragons and they'll be at the front of the parade so the young people who are at part of the martial arts at their temples 
uh, are also the dragon dancers, so they're really, uh, they get better and better every year. We had one year when we didn't get to have them because they're, they're, uh, the one temple had the boy, the boys get in, get into it when they're little and they grow up and when they, then eventually they get to be in the dragon and they're doing a lot of the difficult martial arts. But one year, a whole bunch of the young guys graduated. So they didn't have any dra- they didn't have anybody to be in the dragons. They were still training a, a younger group. But that's, that's always a big hit. And, uh, the other temple in Chicago, a Vietnamese temple, they, the, the, the head monk there does the Lotus Sutra, or the Heart Sutra, and chants it, and he has an incredible voice. So we have a, some short talks, but they're very short talks, and uh, it's kind of festive things, right? Buddha kids may do something. It's like a series of short uh, just real, it's, it's a very, very happy celebration. So it's all, it's all about, uh-huh. Just another question. What's the significance of wearing white? I don't see any different ceremonies for, you know, the day for different people wearing white and so I was wondering what the significance is. Well, that's a, that's a traditional, it's, uh, if you see in, uh, in Buddhist countries, in Theravadan countries, I don't know if they do it in Tibet, the Tibetan tradition, but the <clears throat> when the people come to the temple on the new moon and the full moon, they all they typically will wear white to the temple, and they just spend the day. They listen to talks and they um, maybe they help out doing stuff at the temple and. Uh, but they wear white as just a traditional color, and it rep- you know it represents purity, and uh, so and I, so that's their tradition in their culture. So when we have the precept ceremony, we encourage people to wear white, and it's not a I mean it's not a deal breaker, but it's it just it's more a tradition, so it makes it a little. Uh, it's a it's a symbolic thing. I don't think it. I don't think the Buddha started it at all. I think <laughs> that's a good question, though. And you'll see some people who have come to the temple for a long time. They might, but at a lot of different occasions, they might they might have a white, you know, the white top and a white bottom, or the men usually wear khaki colored pants. But a lot of people will wear, wear that when we have any kind of ceremony here at the temple. It's like they have their special event outfit. <laughs> you don't have to think about what you're going to wear. Uh huh. I have a question regarding Buddhism. Um, I think you probably don't know the answer, but it seems like there's quite a few different branches of Buddhism. Are the uh, fundamental beliefs the same? Or are there any, like, I think the fundamental beliefs are the same. The Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, that's the same in all of them. I mean, that's the, that's really the core. And then I think, um, from there, our tradition, the Theravadan tradition, we really focus on the early teaching, the early teachings, which were the teachings of Sakyamuni Buddha. So that, that's our canon. That's our main body of uh, teachings. 
And then in the in different traditions, they might add other teachers onto that. In the Mahayana tradition, they may in the Tibetan tradition they'll add other uh, enlightened teachers into their canon. And they have different. They may have a different structure. With their monastic structure may di- may be different. Yeah, but the the real gut the real gut of it is the same. Uh huh. Um, I'm not very knowledgeable, so I'm sorry for my um, But my understanding is um, that the eighth path is to get rid of suffering. Is, is that correct? Right. Um, my question is, um, if the primary goal is to get rid of suffering, why should one choose to follow the eightfold path over suicide? Okay, suicide is a much more effective and quicker way to do it. Um, well, you know, one of the one, part of the Eightfold Path talks about the way we, our what we call sila, it's the, our morality and our ethics, and and so the very first precept we take is to is to not kill anything, and it's basically uh, doing no harm to ourselves or to others. So that's included in that eightfold path, and uh, so so suicide we believe is harming ourselves, and it's not it doesn't end end suffering because the our belief is also that we have rebirth. So if we if we decide, you know, our suffering is great, so we it's it's somebody's right. I mean, I it's we aren't gonna put you in Buddhist jail or, you know, it's not, because everything is kind of cause and effect. But if you, if we, if, if someone ends their life, it doesn't end the cause and effect situation. So that action will just come up in another lifetime. You know, there'll be, so it's better, it's better to work with this life. A, A human life is very precious. And so this is the lifetime. This right now, this lifetime you're in, is the most important one because it's the one that is right now. And so this is the life that we want to do the very best we can with our life, working with the conditions that we have. And uh, we, we want to live it as consciously as we can to the natural end of our life. Because that will create less of what we call, I mean, it's, it's less negative action that we're producing. So we don't have to deal with the effects of it in another life. If that, does that make sense? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's also kind of a nihilistic way of, uh, and the Buddha said that's an extreme, like that's an extreme position. Like if there's nothing, if there's no continuation of anything, it, it doesn't matter, right? And he he also said he he didn't believe in extremes. And at the time he was living, there were all these kind of extremes in the different spiritual teachings. And the Buddha always said, that's not where the answer is. Like, it's always what we're looking for is that balance in the middle. 
And so the extreme of uh, there's nothing, so it doesn't matter if I kill myself or kill you, that, that extreme, he said, that's, we don't want that. And we don't want the other that, that talks about uh, kind of a, uh, rewards in heaven and, you know, that kind of thing. We don't want it to be too much to that extreme. So the middle path is, is more about doing no harm and working with, working with this life right now, doing everything we can to, you know, we talk a lot in our teachings about, uh, uh the best way to die is to be very conscious and for it to be, and that doesn't mean, I mean, most people end up dying in a hospital. I don't know if that, I think that's statistically correct. I'm not sure in this country. But, so we don't know the conditions of that moment of death. But what we always try to, that we want to create in our lives is to have a very peaceful death. And if that means being uh, surrounded with people chanting or maybe just quiet or people just being with us and not a lot of noise going on. Uh, but, but a peaceful death is, is preferred because it makes it easier for us to, to, to not feel confused and lost when we die. So it's easier for us to kind of go in the right direction. So that's one of the, that's one of the ways we think about death. So if uh, suicide would be a really violent way to die. And it, it wouldn't be a good thing for the next life. So. Well, see, that was a bummer. Now you've got everybody. <laughs> Everybody's thinking about that. <laughs> And you know everybody has to answer that for themselves. So so what what I'm saying doesn't necessarily represent what somebody else would say about it, but that's uh, that's looking at the the what the Buddha was teaching. He was definitely not a fan of suicide. Now the question we will not allow anybody to ask tonight is what about animals putting animals to sleep? That is that it's easy to talk about our own death, right? Compared to what is what we should do about our pets. That's that's uh, so we don't we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> but it's very in, that's a very interesting topic too, and and that one I is controversial as far as I'm concerned. But everybody, including animals, have have karma. So, um, you know, it's usually the usually we want to live out whatever life we have because that's the best way for us to work through as much of our karma as we can in this lifetime. And eventually, and that karma is. Uh, you know, eventually we can, that's what enlightenment would be when somebody's, their Padi Nibbana is when they've worked through all that cause and effect stuff right till the very last point. 
and then they don't they don't they can choose to stay in stay living or they can choose to just kind of I guess do whatever you do when you become enlightened. Like the Buddha became enlightened when he was thirty six, but then he taught or he taught for another forty five years. So um he could have he could have decided that when he became enlightened that that would be that he just wanted to sit around and enjoy that feeling but he he was asked you know there are these wonderful stories he was asked even by the gods uh and the and the devas that are like the little gods they ask him to teach they that you know he he was thinking he could just just go off to sit in a cave or something and enjoy being enlightened. But he was asked to teach by them because they said, we're not enlightened, we still need teaching, and we want to come down and listen to you teach. So then his, then that's why we have what is called Padi Nibbana, which is the final, like that enlightened person's death. So, and... Suicide is uh, meditation and being put up to a machine. It's interesting how in society people want to live as long as they can or do whatever they can to live as long as they can. Yeah. So it's like, it's one of those things in life where, I don't know what the Buddhist view is on that, but you explain the suicide part. So what's the uh, Buddhist view? Like, it's like, okay, I need to go around, I need to live on a machine that's making me breathe and I have all these acquired stuff out. Is that against the Buddhism philosophy or is that for I don't think it's against it's against it. I mean, that's a personal choice. But if you, you know, nope, there's no one who would say, don't, don't, uh, if you go to a hospital, no one, no one would ever say, I don't think any Buddhist would say, or teacher would say, no, you can't have any life-sustaining uh, help in a hospital. I think that's just a personal choice. It's kind of like, I don't know, well, it's, you get to bring up with a suicide and you brought up a pest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, that's what I said, don't. Like, say I had a heart attack when I was 30 or whatever. Mm-hmm. What would be the, like, to me, it's almost like if that happened, I would think I would not want to take medication and die because <clears> this life out and then move on to the next As opposed to the average person would be like, oh my God, I'm in a heart attack, let's go to the hospital, let's have surgery, let's take medication for 50 years, etc. And you don't really know until you're in that spot, but you know, in the society we live in, everybody's take all the medication. And to me, I almost think that you need to die of natural causes and not take medication. I, I think that would really be your personal choice. But wouldn't that be what frame of mind you have at that time? Uh, you mean what? The, like just frame a, of mind, like if, if life is not worth living for, or I have a lot to live for. This is just a. Yeah, I think your your intention at that point would be important. Uh, so if your intention if your intention was I don't want, I want to die, that might be that that would probably not be such a good thing. But I think the intention would be it's time to move on to the next step in the positive world, the next stage of spiritual growth. Yeah, I I I'd have to yeah go ahead. What about your obligation? With well, we don't really have an obligation to other people. <laughs> uh, we have an obligation to our families and, you know, the people that we've made commitments to. But yeah, that's what I mean. 
So. Rebirth. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's okay. Um, but like, and I'm not, I'm not sure exactly the, the, the layout of what that implies. Uh, my assumption would just be that I'd be disliked before this one. Would that be correct? So, mm hmm. Um, in that previous life, if I had loved ones, people that I care about, and, and, and good or bad life, whatever it was, um, it doesn't seem to affect me now. I don't know those people anymore. Whatever pain or joy that had doesn't affect now. So, why should I care about other lives? Why should you care about what? Other lives, future lives. Well, if, 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 if like my experience here now is that affect others' experiences later on, and my experience that I have now will not remember, just like I don't remember the past ones, this one that I'm having now will be remembered the future ones. So why why should why should there be a caring for? Like, to me, that seems like a stranger. Whatever you would rather have seems like a stranger, so why should I care about Well, we don't, we don't have, we, we don't care about that, yeah, we don't, we, we aren't going to be, it's like we don't take our personality with us into another life. Uh, but, but what we, what we're trying to do is to, rid ourselves of all of the desires and attachments and passions that keep us wanting to have another life. Like just even that, that desire to become, like to keep living, which kind of ties in with the medical thing. That's something, that's what the Buddha talked, that, that that's, that's what we're trying to lessen our grip on. So, so we don't feel like, oh, I just want to, you know, live forever, or I want to keep on, keep on, keep on. Yeah, we're letting go of that. Uh huh. So um, I have a personal perspective. I'm a hospice nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what initially drew me to Buddhism is the fact that you're doing what you can, the best you can with what you have right now. I cannot say what I'm going to do in the future if I have a heart attack tomorrow. Right. I cannot say what other past lives did for me and changed me to who I am now. But I know where I am right now, what I'm experiencing right now, and I'm going to do the best I can with what I have right now. And that's it. And that, nothing else is for me to know. I don't know what happened before, and I don't need to know what's going to happen in the future. Right. So I'm going to be kind. And I think that even even those decisions that we might make in the future, we don't we don't know what that decision might be. And a lot of times we don't have much choice in the decision. You know, if you you we we don't necessarily get to be involved in that decision. Is my life going to be saved, or am I going to you know just die right now? But that's okay. I mean, that's. I think what you're saying is exactly right. What we're looking at is right now in this moment. And that and so for the people we love, that means right now the people I love, my family, the people that I'm with, I want to be the best friend, the best mother, the best a noble friend, uh the best employee that I can be. That's part and that's part of that eight the eightfold path. Um 
but that's for right now. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that that's going to be what we are next week. Yeah. But you do know what they're going to do if we get a heart attack. You don't want to go in the hospital and probably get surgery. That's what they're going to do. But nobody's going to sit there and go, I don't want to go to the hospital and die right here. Everybody's going to go to the hospice. My dad was just in the hospice and passed away. And it's just like, it's pretty thin, but you kind of have a point. You get no choice. But it's like everybody does the same thing when you get a heart attack. They can go to the hospital except for the rare, probably less than that desire, that, that will to live, hops in and you do whatever you do and, and you move on from there. Yeah, I'm sure it was. What you said, I think, is very, very true. Um, uh, it just kind of goes back to my question as to why you can handle life in the first place. Um, it's like, we can do whatever we can now better, you know, it's yeah. great. Um, but to me, it's like, uh, But to me, at the end of the day, it ends, like, what, what's the point of either one? Like, if you have the best dream, what the worst nightmare when you wake up and you don't remember, it doesn't matter if it's happy or And to me, it doesn't. And so, like, to me, the question is, like, okay, um, if, like, previous life or past lives, and there's no connection of uh, 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 me, why should I care about it? And why shouldn't Because it's, like, a strange bullshit. But it, but it. Definition difference between pain and suffering is probably a highlight of the four 
talking about. We, we can't avoid pain. Uh, we all have to die. Uh, I'm probably not getting into this later. And I'll, I'll, I'll be in pain, but you know, unlike some of the uh, other family members of mine, I don't have to suffer any initial today. Um, you know, there's uh, ways of conducting mind and body, even cancer-ridden mind and body, uh, that allows it to pass with as much ease as possible. And even if it's not passing it to a, a next life, so specifically to the, the suicide one, uh, there's a cumulative wave-like effect, a wave-like effect, I think, to any suicide, even if it's not um, connected to any life actual, like you said, you probably won't have access to it. Um, you know, and I think like there's just really like real direct evidence. I mean, if you're uh, if you're in a family, uh, you're asked and suddenly it's like shockwaves out. Even if you're not in a family, if you have friends, shockwave out. The, you know, it, it can challenge me and say like, what if I'm a hermit and I die alone <laughs> and I'm around and the worms get food because of me? Well, those worms are probably happier. <laughs> It's a good discussion, but we do have to, we're already 15 minutes past time, so I know people have to have to go, but uh, good, really good questions. And we talked a little bit about Buddha Day, too, so <laughs> we got both. They're wonderful questions. It's good, to have, it's good to have a chance just to talk about some of that, because a lot of things Buddhists, the, the Buddha didn't directly talk about. You know, lot, there are a lot of things that, I mean, we have to, this is not like we can pray to somebody and get automatic answers. So that's the hard part about Buddhism, but it's also the most liberating part. Like we have to, we have to find those reasons why, we're, where we find joy in life, and we have to find uh, how we can be happy in the midst of a crazy world full of chaos. And those are those are why we're here. They're why, that's why we're in this human body, is to experience and to learn and to develop develop ourselves as much as we can. That's our opportunity. And um, but these are good questions because ultimately we all have to ask these questions. Nobody's going to come and tell us, you know you're right or you're wrong, or if you do it this way, this is what's going to happen. And we, we don't know. We don't know that. So there, it's good to talk about it. And it's good to, to challenge our own minds, like where we are. But remember, everything's impermanent and changes. So what we think today may not be what we think a year from now or tomorrow. 
And that's okay, too, because we're constantly changing. We have different input. We have different, different experiences, and it keeps, we keep changing, which is good. So don't ever, that's, it, then it's good not to get locked into a certain point of view. And that's, that's what is good. I, th- one of the things about Buddhism that I really like, like you're not stuck with a bunch of dogma that you've got to like make up, pretend that you believe in. It's okay to disagree with stuff. And it's okay to have a different opinion about it. And that's, that's, I think, really good. So thank you very much for your lessons.